Something crazy happened in the news almost two weeks ago, and I'm sure you heard the story of uh, rapper T.I. accompanying his 18-year-old daughter, Deja, to the doctor to ensure that her hymen was still intact. And um, originally, I planned on ranting about that at the top of the show, uh, but my good friend Tahina Verma Rash wrote a piece on Medium, and she says it's so much better. And I'm going to include the article in the show notes. Um, it's actually titled Hope Beyond the Hymen, a sermon on Luke 20, 27 through 38. But I'm also going to read a snippet here. Uh, Tahina writes, If I were to have a conversation with Deja, also coming from a household steeped in patriarchy, my father attempted to arrange a marriage for me, I would want to tell her that there is hope beyond the hymen. You are not a commodity to be bought and sold, traded, or valued on one part of your anatomy. I wasn't given a say if I wanted to meet this strange man who flew from halfway around the world away hoping I would become his property. I became a voiceless prop to serve the purpose of men. There's more to life than using human beings, people created in the image of God, as a voiceless prop to get your point across. End quote. Um, I know I'm always going on about purity culture, but that is why I do it, because this stuff still exists. No matter how liberated or far away I am from it, we have to talk about it. Um, so thank you so much to Hina for sharing your words, and um, I'm going to make sure more people know what you wrote. And now a message from our sponsors. Are you looking for a progressive faith resource that values wonder and doubts, wrestles with hard questions, and, and is creative, engaging, and fun? Illustrated Ministry creates fresh and modern resources for the church and home. And you can get free samples of their resources by going to illustratedministry.com slash ourbibleapp. I know we're all trying to be to bring a progressive spirit into our places of worship, and these guys, Illustrated Ministry, are enabling you to do that in a, on the fundamental level of starting with your youths. I cannot stress I cannot stress enough how important it is to go to the website and check out their tools for Sunday school. It's Sunday school, it's church, and it's everything to do with the family. And it's all progressive. It is just fantastic. Um, I ran into them at a conference and we really just got talking. So illustratedministry.com slash our Bible app. I'm going to say it again, illustratedministry.com slash our Bible app. Get online. And now the show. Rev Katie is my pastor, and I'm thrilled she has agreed to come on the show. Um, just a bit about her, Rev Katie Akins was born in Bristol, PA, and moved to Iceland at the age of four, where her parents were missionaries. She spent the better part of her childhood in Iceland, but um, did move back to the States uh, for college. And uh, Pastor Katie completed her Master's of Divinity at the Candler School of Theology at Emory University in Atlanta. And upon graduating from seminary, she stayed in Atlanta for several years and served as co-pastor um, at Mercy Community Church, which is a congregation of mostly poor and homeless members. And at Mercy, she led worship, Bible studies, um, and addiction recovery meetings. Uh, she now serves as the lead pastor at Tabernacle United Church in Philadelphia. That's the church I go to. <laughs> um, and I really wanted to sit down with Katie because she's been... Uh, 
an incredible spirit guide, I think, for me these past few months. And I wanted to share her voice and inspiration with the world, and that's you. So uh, I hope you have as much fun tuning into this conversation as I clearly had talking to my favorite pastor lady. And now, Pastor Katie. Um, but from what I gather, you had a very different childhood than the rest of us. Um, can you tell us more about that? Uh, yeah, so I, um, so I, I was born in the U.S. Um, my parents, uh, my dad was a Baptist minister um, in Bristol, Pennsylvania. Uh, my mom was a nurse and a, hey, bye, um, <laughs> see ya. Um, our office manager just left. Anyway, um, and uh, they pretty early on in their ministry felt a real call to become missionaries. Mm-hmm. So um, we moved to Iceland when I was four. Uh, my, I had an older sister uh, who was six and my younger sister was nine months. My parents moved uh, yeah, with all of us. Had never visited Iceland before. Um, That's like got... not the the country most people would, would think that you would mention, right? Because it's not full <laughs> right. of like poor black and brown bodies waiting to be colonized exactly. by the Christian church. It's Iceland. It's Iceland with like white Nordic people. <laughs> yeah, probably Vikings. but <laughs> With like white blonde people. And... Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, and poles and... Uh, you know, uh, yeah. Photoshop yeah. people, people who, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, and it's, you know, it was, it's of course like a place that a lot of people know about now, but, you know, when I was growing up, it was, it was really different. There were, you know, in the mid 80s, like people didn't know much about Iceland and it was kind of more isolated as a country mm-hmm. um, and definitely, you know, kind of a, like an island feel there, like you kind of, Every, you know, it's a, it's just small and everything's small there. Anyway, yeah. but I, so I grew up there. Um, my parents, even though they were Baptist, I think pretty early on in their ministry there, um, you know, were challenged. I think that in part just that to, that their denomination didn't really matter very much because um, yeah. it's that kind of a thing that we have a lot here in the United States around like denominational identity, but that's just not, wasn't really a thing in Iceland. Um, But yeah, so my kind of early formation, I think was as a, in this third culture kid identity where I, you know, really felt like, you know, Iceland still feels like my home, but, but I'm not technically Icelandic. So there's kind of this, you Mm -hmm. know, feeling like you're never quite at home in one country or culture. Oh, yeah. And and I think that actually has shaped me in a lot of ways, even, and I think influences a lot of my ministry still. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in a way um, has kind of like, uh, well, for one, I think I, it makes me, uh, I think it's kind of taught me in different ways about just about, Uh, being sensitive to different cultures and how, and really understanding how language and culture, just how important that is in our formation um, and and the way that people think and that. um, So, yeah, so that's kind of my background a little bit. Um, I was not, you know, growing up, I was not, 
aware that I was queer or like, <laughs> I mean, I think I, yeah, I often like talk about myself as kind of like a, a late bloomer. I just, um, I think I just, I, you know, I wasn't interested in like romantic relationships for a long time. I was like totally into sports and just like other stuff. Um, and then as I got older, I just thought, Oh, there's probably just like, not like a, enough like cool guys out there like I just don't like any guys <laughs> like that was a long time that was just my like story like oh it's so like hard to find a cool guy or like a good guy <laughs> um, they're all just such nerds <laughs> pencil heads I know. yeah and I think just for you know I and that's like I just I didn't really ever know that that like same-sex relationships or like queerness was like a thing it wasn't ever like an on the table and so I think for a long time I just didn't really see that as part mm -hmm. of who I was um Why so I yeah was your family um really conservative or were they yeah I don't know what that means if they're if they're kind of non-denominational but yeah 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 they 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 were um I certainly like I would not talk about them in the same way today. I mean, they've they've evolved and kind of changed theologically over the years. Mm -hmm. But I certainly like grew up um, and in my early years, like remember telling you know talking to my friends about how women couldn't be pastors and yeah. you know like like reiterating that theology that mm -hmm. that learned. Um, and so yeah, that definitely you know that kind of evangelical conservatism was a part of my family. Um, and so I, I think I had, um, yeah, a lot of that kind of internalized stuff, you know, it was never mm -hmm. in a kind of hateful way. It was never like, you know, homophobic, like, yeah, uh, like hate, hate kind of spewing stuff, but it's all like in that sort of subtle messaging that you get. Like Just assumed. Yeah. yeah, just assume that these things are wrong and these things aren't allowed. And, you yeah. know, um, so that's that's kind of how I think about, like, my formation around, like, sexuality. It's just sort of like we didn't really talk about it. <laughs> so you just, like, <laughs> yeah, which so is just, like absorb whatever that, um, you know, kind of evangelical Christian, like mainstream kind of thinking. That's how was. most people fall into you know, the trouble is we don't talk about it. So I guess we'll just kind of figure it out. Um, right. Which is terrifying. At, yeah. Is there, <laughs> right? Oh my God. We, I can't. It is, but then you're like, where am I? Where, you know, where do you find out this stuff? Cause it's like, it's not all healthy, you know, no. all of the life. And it's so anyway. different now than it used to be. Um, yeah. Where, it was there a point in your life where you kind of made that was like that huge transition, like or awakening where you realized um, maybe it wasn't even just uh, sexuality. It was just, there has to be some kind of break away from the, the traditional rules that your family kept and to owning what you wanted your faith to be. Mm. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, I think I got, I, I had like, um, I mean, my coming out experience, I think was, was, was pretty like a big kind of transformative time. But I think even before that a little bit, like I had, 
Um, there was a season when I went back to Iceland after I had graduated college and I back, went back alone. My parents were actually at that time back in the States and I went back and lived alone in Iceland and did some oh. volunteer work with this Lutheran church that was the only church in Iceland that was doing work with um, refugees and mm-hmm. youth. And uh, and so I did, I worked with that church just doing like translating because a lot of like people could kind of speak English on both sides. It was like about bringing Icelandic youth and um, and, and immigrants, sorry, it actually was mostly immigrants, um, immigrant youth uh, together to kind of connect. And so I did some like translating and things like that. And that was the first time I think I experienced, um, the church really asking me and needing me to be in leadership. Um, and like saying to me, like, you have gifts Mm -hmm. for, um, ministry. And, and I I think because I was kind of separate away from my family in this new context, it was a really important time for me to kind of, um, yeah, to, to feel that, that sense of calling, I think just as a person, um, that was kind of the first time I experienced a real like call to ministry, um, was it just in, and hearing people kind of affirm some of those gifts. About how old Um, were you? I was, uh, well, I had, that was like the year after I graduated college. So, okay. uh, how old are you then? Early twenties. <laughs> yeah, early. Yeah, I'm 34. <laughs> Is that was that a question for me? Uh, Sorry, yeah. I misunderstood that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I, exactly. I guess yeah. You're different ages. Graduate, <laughs> but I yeah. So that was in my early twenties. Yeah. Early twenties. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, yeah. But certainly my. Um, when I, so in seminary, when I was in seminary is when I met Heather, uh, who is now my wife. Um, and yeah, and that was a really important time for me. And it was also the time that I was working with that church that you mentioned. Um, the the, homeless. Yeah. The, it was called, it's called, it's still in existence called Mercy Community Church. And they, we were working, yeah, mostly with folks who are homeless and, um, and so I was kind of already in this space where I was working with a lot of people who were uh, experiencing, you know, being outcast and kind of um, had their own uh, pretty awful stories about their experiences with the church. Um, and we were trying to create a space where people could just come, even if they were still in the throes of addiction or like, you know, that sometimes, I mean, sometimes part of our church services were just to, like, let people sleep. Oh. We, we th- talked about sanctuary as a place where people can come and rest. Yeah. And, you know, so we had, we talked a lot about those things. And I think in a way that was a, a powerful time for me. It kind of gave me, I think, courage to say, you know what, like, um, as I'm, as I'm, like, coming out, realizing that um that somehow this like experience of of exclusion and even though it's very different um you know to be poor and and on the street um there was this kind of um connection I think I felt with folks just about having this experience of being kind of thrown out in a you know in a different way um and but then really finding God 
in that um, in that space. Um, yeah. And I think that's because um, to me, I mean, one of the I think this is actually one of the gifts of like my evangelical background is mm-hmm. this this stream of kind of like there's an, an importance on uh, placed on your personal relationship with God and that you have, you know, that you nurture that relationship in mm-hmm. some way. And so when I experienced God in the room with me and Heather, you know, mm. affirming in some ways our love for each other, that was yeah. really important to me. Like I, that's not something, you know, that I could read in a book or like that experience of, of God's love in my own life, um, mm. in the context of, of loving another woman, you know, that, that was really, that was kind of what I think allowed me to, to step into some boldness there. I mean, I, I really want to talk more about the entry into boldness, but also I'm really curious about how you two met and like brokered this exchange of falling in love. Because first of all, I mean, I don't know about her, but you were definitely still straight, quote unquote. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, right. and, um, and, and in that you were also in seminary. So like you had like these two taboos on top of everything. Like, how did you even know that like she had, a, or you, or she had a crush on you or that she would requite everything, you know, like. Yeah, it was a mess. I mean, I'll tell you that. Man, like, I can't even, like, it's actually, like, so hard to just hit on, on women in general. Like, I can't even imagine doing it under those circumstances. Like, that would just be terrifying. I would never do it. I would rather pee my pants in public. <laughs> Could you just? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And for that, I know, that actually, just you saying that, uh, that actually, Heather should get the, uh, the the bravery um yeah thanks because she's the one who like who who like basically like confessed her her love to <sighs> me and her affection. and I was not very helpful what <laughs> I mean well I was the one who totally was like freaked out um yeah. by because it was like my first experience like I knew that I I think after she like, you know, we had that conversation and she told me that she was attracted to me. And, you know, I was like so scared because I, I, I knew that, that I had feelings for her too, but I was just like, oh, like I, I think I still in my mind, I thought I could still like choose a man. (laughs) (laughs) And like, you know what I mean? There's still a possibility. One of those pinheads. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, but, but so it just, it took me, it took me a while. Like and you could talk to Heather, like it took me, uh, yeah, like we uh, several months really where we were just like trying to work through this thing. And until I, I really felt like I could kind of, I could say, yes, okay. Like I'm ready to step into this. And, um, but yeah, it was not your kind of dreamy like romantic <laughs> get together. Yeah. It was really, intense and (laughs) um yeah but you know but the what's so what's such a gift about that is that uh, like heather you know was patient 
and she mm-hmm. also just like gave me a lot of space and um so that's really nice heather <laughs> knew what she wanted heather gets a high five for me man she does i'm <laughs> i don't know if she drinks but i'm buying her a beer and giving okay, her <laughs> yeah um she would probably love that <laughs> see great so much so much more to learn from heather um and now you guys have a child together and a church together and a home and I don't know. I think in the world of lesbians, it's a pretty happy ending. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But like need a picket fence or something. Yes. Well, I mean, (laughs) I'm sure there is a softball crew of lesbians in Philly that can help you design a picket fence. (laughs) Check that out. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. So you, so you had this like coming out moment in college and you were also grappling with um, your conservative value structure versus something more liberating. Um, mm-hmm. oh, what happened? What happened next after, after um, university? I mean, your like, master's program. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so, well, Let's see. We uh, we stayed in Atlanta for a little bit. Um, I yeah. I, I we we both graduated. So Heather also graduated from seminary. Um, and we uh, we stayed for a bit because um, Heather's from the South, and so this was all in Atlanta. Um, and she had some work that she was involved in there that um, she she was committed to. So we stayed there, and I, I continued to work at the church and also at a uh, actually United Methodist Church part time. Uh, and then I I basically got connected with the United Church of Christ and wanted to um, was really seeking a, a, a I wanted to be accountable to a larger denomination denominational body, um, and really liked what I had heard and learned about the UCC. And so I went through what they call the privilege of call process, which is basically where my ordination is recognized in that denomination. Um, so it's very fancy language for that. (laughs) So once I did that, then I basically started applying for, uh, different congregations. Yeah. And we had some like family connections here in Pennsylvania. And so so uh, the tab was Tabernacle United Church was looking for a pastor, um, and so I yeah went th- was in that process and and got the job. <laughs> and we're so happy, yeah. so lucky. I was oh and yeah I mean it's made it to Tab. And what I love about Tab is that there's just so much of an infusion of social justice, and so we're talking about. <clears throat> We're talking about immigration and we're talking about homelessness and we're talking about um, black lives and how they matter. And we're talking about trans bodies and um, the global warming and um, so little of the service is dedicated to doctrine and hermeneutical study or um, defining in me as a human what parts are bad and what I need to do in my everyday life to serve him and you know like all of that extra stuff yeah. that is just so weighty um yeah yeah 
Yeah, and I love it so much, yeah. but it is honestly like so different from any other church that I've ever been to. Mm. Is that is that yeah. all is that what you bring to this space or is that what tap has always been? I don't know. <clears throat> no, I mean I yeah, I certainly I mean I'm a I'm a part of that, but I I think it's it's definitely more uh, it's it's rooted in Tab's history, mm-hmm. um, and I think there is there's definitely kind of stepping into. Um, yeah, I think the, you know, I mean, even something um, just as an example of you know, our, we're recently starting to talk more about uh, becoming a sanctuary church and again which is really exciting. And we've had these, you know, the capital campaign last year and trying to work on projects to make the space and building more accessible and hospitable. And so one of those things is to have a bathroom downstairs that also will have uh, laundry uh, facilities and a shower. And so we're kind of in this time where we're actually able to imagine you know, hosting a person or family in the space, um, which uh, is really tapping into a, a legacy, you know, or a, like a history here at TAB um, that we, you know, in the 1980s and 85, we we did something similar, although the the two folks uh, who were known to folks at TAB just as Ernesto and Linda, I think they, they their real names were, was, were, um, hidden. Uh, they were like basically sheltering those two people, not here at the church, but in people's homes while, you know, in resistance to the, the, um, what the government was doing. Um, so there, and there's people here that still, you know, that were involved then. And so have, there is kind of this connection to our history. and, And I definitely feel, like when I stepped in here as a pastor that I was kind of stepping into, um, yeah, a history here where people had been doing really good work, um, for many years. And I mean, certainly there's like, you know, the time is different. I mean, you mentioned that here we are in like Trump world, um, (laughs) you know, and so I think there is, a uh, the, the, the way we do things and kind of the shape and of, of things and the way we talk and our language, all of that is changing too. Yeah. So, um, so I think, you know, the I sanctuary mean, movement in the eighties is not the same as it is today. I mean, we still have, we still have oppressive governments, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, at work, but, um, and so there, there's a deep connection, but I think there is always kind of this need for talking and, mm-hmm. listen, and listening and learning in new ways about what our our call is as like, disciples of Jesus, like in this time that we're in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I certainly I feel like I kind of I I step into that. I'm stepping into that history. I think it's that's it's actually a really great gift that Tab has given me. Is kind of you know I I feel like I I've been nurtured here in lots of different ways, and people are not have never. You know, I've never gotten that kind of pushback about like, oh, you're preaching the social justice, you know, like, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of just a given that people generally understand social justice as being 
what the gospel is about. You know, I mean, yeah. the gospel is about all of those things, about mm. social justice and personal transformation. Like all of those things are connected. Unfortunately, I think we we kind of cut them up and talk about them as if they're like really separate things, which, we you know, do. they're not, I, you know, yeah. That's why the Bible is in my, I mean, I'll always see the Bible as timeless. And one of the cool things about it is that we're able to, to see it with new eyes, each new generation or each new turning of time. Yeah. So it still is so relevant today. Um, yeah. I'm wondering how much of the Bible um, plays into your everyday life. Um, is it a really important tool for you, both personally and mm -hmm. professionally? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and I, I mean, I'm also just a total Bible nerd. I, you know, I like, yes, <laughs> I like, I'm like one of those people who, you know, goes to the library and I have like commentaries and really? I, I get like totally oh geeked out on Greek words and, you know, um, so, I you know, agree. I try to like only share the, <laughs> the things here that seem that are really relevant to what I'm learning but I think I really I mean even the the task of preaching because I because it's a to me preparing to preach is also a time where I'm like in the week I'm kind of being fed uh, by the scriptures and really is an mm. opportunity for me to go deeper and study and kind of in and in my prayer life too so I really you know that to me is a just an important part of my like weekly task is um, so um, so studying the scriptures is you know is is certainly like a an every week uh, several times a week kind of a thing for me um, and I love it I mean I really enjoy it so was there yeah. ever a time where you felt condemned by the Bible? Um, Mm. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Um, condemned. <laughs> I mean, yes, I think there's certainly, I mean, when I hear the word condemned, I hear that to me, I like associate with, especially with sexuality, I think because, yeah. but you know, the times where, where I've, you know, felt like I was kind of being attacked with like Bible bombs <laughs> is, is in, yeah, is in that context. Um, I, and so I've, I think what I had to do or what I, you know, learned to do is, is to, to see, um, is to, is to be able to see that Comden as not coming from God. Um, and I think that is, uh, yeah, unfortunately, that's so. I, but yeah, so I, I have felt condemned by the Bible. Yeah. Um, I have, um, yeah, I have, I guess, you know, these days I tend to think of like there's a difference between um, feeling condemned, which to me is sort of about damning somebody. Um, and, uh, and, and, and the slight difference around sort of like judged or even corrected by the Bible, like judged is a little bit of a messy word. So I don't know. I don't know if I want to talk about that as much, but, mm -hmm. 
but I do continue to feel like a push to towards sort of like correction. Like I do think there's a place that in sort of that the Bible does challenge and want to, and I mean, I'm thinking, you know, more specifically about the gospels that there is this kind of like call this like challenge, but it's not, I mean, it's not about like, um, being, um, sexually pure or like, you know what I mean? But there Mm -hmm. is, but there is this call and, and kind of, I I have certainly felt like in the study of scriptures, like I've been like kind of pushed to, um, to reevaluate my behavior or to like the way I'm engaging with somebody or whatever. Like, so I think there's kind of a different, you know what I mean? Like there's a, I don't think condemning somebody is something um, we are authorized to do with the Bible. I don't think that's ours to but do. The people use the Bible so often to condemn, yes. um, or police, um, yeah. women's sexualities and to an extent men's, but mostly women's. And I can imagine that's a really difficult place being a lady pastor who is also a lesbian. Um, Because me looking at you up there, I'm just like, you are smooth sailing. Like nothing bothers you. Everybody respects you. You've never had a run in with any of this stuff. You're just very cool, calm and collected, you know? Yeah. Oh, if you'd only know, if you only know. No, I mean, that's that's so interesting that you say that. Um, Yes. I, I mean, I have definitely like, I, I have, I have like confidence issues and like, uh, I, I mean, I'm afraid every time I preach, like I'm really nervous every time I get up. Um, I, you know, and it's not, when I first started at tab, it was, I was actually, uh, like sick for most of my first year I was here. I like, I had a lot of anxiety. Um, I think I hit it pretty well. Um, and you know, for better or worse, <laughs> I, th- I kind of like got through the first year, a couple of years, but, but I, like, I, I do think that like where I am now, I'm, I'm, it's better. Like I don't, I'm, I get nervous, but I don't have that like kind of real like anxiety, but I still struggle with anxiety. I have like, mm-hmm. um, there are, that's, that's a thing in my life uh, and I get, um, yeah, I I have uh I think I've gotten better just with with practice and kind of and also having gone through some experiences of just messing up or saying something that I really like I didn't want to say or um and so I think kind of being able to live through that and move through that and take also take responsibility and I also ask for forgiveness when I've said something wrong or something that I regret um that's kind of like helped me, I think, along the way. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, but I, um, and I, I have gotten pushback on, on stuff that I've said. Uh, and there's certainly like uh, people who won't come back or who, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, who, who don't like what we do. <laughs> um, what do you do in those situations? I feel like the, yeah. the way that most churches have, coped with pushback is to bend to the pushback and forget about being a church in progress towards something you know Mm. so the default is who's having who's giving us the pushback and do they have deep pockets you know so yeah yeah 
What's yeah. that? Uh, well, well, I mean, I guess fortunately for me or for us, like it hasn't been, I haven't been in a situation where it's been, I don't know, like somebody who's like, well, I'm going to like take all the money, you know, where there's been <laughs> take like, all some, the like, money. Big, like financial, <laughs> um, you know, thing attached to like whatever it is I'm preaching. Like that hasn't happened. And so I'm grateful for that. Um, but we, you know, but, uh, it's hard because, um, you know, there have been times where I've, I've had, or I've just had to have conversations with sort of honest conversations with people to say, you know, yeah, this is like, this isn't, this is just not how we don't see eye to eye. This is not the way that, um, you know, we understand God or the gospel. And even though there's a lot of like room to have different beliefs, like we're not asking everybody Mm -hmm. to like, you know, as you said, like there's like heavy doctrine here. At the same time, there are some shared uh, thing, you know, values that we have and things that I think are, are just wrong. Like, you know, like, you know, we, we have to stand somewhere. We have to stand, um, somewhere. And that also means we have to say no to things. And yeah, so, yeah, so it's, it is hard. And I, I do, I, I, you know, we've had to have some difficult conversations. Um, sometimes though, it's around things that you don't expect. Like, uh, like there was some pushback a bit. Uh, what was this last, it was last year where we did a series on, on money and wealth uh-huh. and that um, was difficult. For, really? Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I, in a way that I don't think I really huh. uh, was prepared for or expected that just like kind of getting real about our, our money and yeah. our, our wealth and how we, you know, what the, you know, what Jesus calls of us in the, mm-hmm. which, you know, and Jesus talks a lot about money yeah. <sighs> and it's, you know, not like easy stuff. Um, huh. so I think when you raise those questions, you know, that's, I mean, it's also, it's where I think our, we are, we have a lot of idolatry is around our idolatry money and materialism. It's so, we're so like, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm in, I'm in it too. Like, how do we get free from you know, all the stuff we have around like, uh, money and living in a capitalistic society where, you know, we're expected to, to, to save and make sure we have enough for retirement. And yeah, I mean, you know, there's all, you know, for lots of good reasons, but there's a lot there. Um, and so anyway, so it's, it was, it was difficult. Um, yeah, didn't expect that's surprising and unsurprising, right? Um, something that I noticed that I love about Tab is gender neutral pronouns for God. And I'm wondering how you got everybody to, you know, during that time where we stand up and we let everyone know something about what we're praying for, what we're thankful for. Everyone gives their name and their pronouns. And, um, I can talk about my mom because you know, we've talked about this before, but it took her a while to kind of grasp they, them pronouns. Um, and I'm wondering if, if anybody older, young really had a hard time 
um, mm. grasping that or even being willing to stand up and say, my pronouns are she, her, hers, you know? Yeah, yeah. That, and I think that's a, that's, yeah, I appreciate you raising that because that, um, that really, I mean, I want to give thanks for Pax, a uh, wrestler who's our music minister. And, yes, to Pax. Uh, yes, I love Pax. Pax is going to be my best friend. They don't know it yet, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Such a joy to work with, too. Um, but Pax is basically, I mean, Pax suggested we, we um, do that as a, you know, kind of as a way to practice just using our own pronouns. Because I think a lot of, you know, people who, um, cisgender folk, you know, we're not used to, um, just, you know, naming that we have pronouns and that we, we, you know, everybody has them. And so like, it's important to, to, to say, this is what, these are what my pronouns are. And so as a way to help us in the congregation practice that we thought it would be good, even in that time of sharing as a time to say, this is my name. And, you know, these are my pronouns and kind of a way to, to involve everyone in recognizing that they have pronouns. So I give thanks for PAX because that was really their idea. Um, and I, and that is, we, like, we have not arrived yeah. with that. I mean, that is definitely ongoing work. It is, you know, there are people who, who at TAB who kind of resist that or don't really like see the importance mm-hmm. um, there. And I think um, that's definitely an area that we're, we're working on. Like that we're, yeah. you know, trying to, to also create more opportunities to, to learn and to understand, uh, cool. particularly from the trans community, like, um, yeah, learning a new language and, and why it's important. Because I think we have to understand why, you know, why it's important, not, not just as something we have to do because it's like some justice thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think we have to really... Um, listen and, and understand why, you know, why is this so important and, and who, you know, who are the, that people's lives here? We're talking about people's lives and their identities and, um, you know, and another group of folks who have also been pushed out. Yeah. Um, and it's also about us, you know, this idea that like, like she is always feminine and he is always masculine. is just ridiculous, you know? Uh, um, yeah. And it's also for us to realize that there aren't just two genders. I think that is the hardest thing for people who take that into their language. It's they're they're like, okay, now you want me to learn like a groovy new thing that will probably, (laughs) you know, you know, lapse in a couple years. And it's like, no, that that's that's the start of it. But really, the truth is, there is. There are more than two genders, and a way of acknowledging that in language is just by using they, them. Um, yeah. And yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's, inc- it's incredibly hard. And I, I am just like so many of, of uh, the parishioners where it took me a while to kind of fully grasp it, you know. And even, you know, just talking with friends was just yeah. like, I don't know do I really have to do it? And it's like, it's like, it's not, it's not, you know, it is for you, but also it's not for you. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, I think to, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm totally with you there. I also feel like I, oh, I've been kind of mind blown by the richness of 
um, like of, of just what I think what the the transgender community is bringing to our interpretation of scripture and like our understanding of God is is amazing. It truly I mean, because is. here, like, I mean, because really, I, you know, I mean, had did you ever notice that like they that they them pronouns is used for God in the very beginning of scripture? No, I mean, when when God says I made them, I mean, of course, it's like. You know, I made them in my image and says like male and female, but then refers God refers to themselves yeah. as like that, you know, in mm-hmm. my as as in more than one being, you know. Yeah. So there is this there is this language um, and this kind of vastness of, of, to God that is way beyond uh, two genders, you know, that there's. Yeah. Like that's reflected actually in our scriptures, and I I had never noticed that of course until, um, you know that was pointed out to me and and seeing through queer and transgender eyes like yeah oh, it's and such a gift it's a gift it to truly us. is and I just want to give a shout out to Chris Page who recently wrote a book um, oh, yeah. of the otherwise Christian also goes to Tab and um, just a phenomenal human being. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, but what I was thinking about originally was this um, learning so much that the Bible is just explosive with content that we never, we overlooked or wasn't offered us in our like Sunday school lessons, um, has kind of segued many of us into this space where we are more open and accepting to the mystics to um, learning more about the earth, learning more about energy. Um, And I mean, I'm not sure how I feel about it personally, but so many of my other Christian friends think a lot about stones. They think a lot about, um, you know, crystals and stuff. And like, while I'm not there, I totally respect it. And I want to know, I want to know more. Um, Yeah. 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 I hear you. Yeah. There's just there. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot. I'm sure Susan Teagan can t- tell us a lot about that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Right? There's have so many cool people. Have you interviewed Susan? I have mm-hmm. not. You know, I really need to. She, There's she so many groovy that. people in that church. Like, I need to get Pax on here. and Yeah, yeah. Totally. Just a podcast of my church. <laughs> It'll be wonderful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Are there, yeah. Are there any... Um, cool projects coming up that you want to talk, tell people about? You're one of the few people I interview who doesn't really have like a Facebook or Instagram, I mean, or Twitter, right? You're just like doing your own thing. <laughs> well, I feel like I'm, I know I'm like bad. I, yeah. <laughs> you don't I don't care. I, it's fine. <laughs> Not your jam. You're going to go I'm, to the library. Yeah, I get, I'm one of these, like I get, oh, I get, I just get overwhelmed with all the, I'm, I'm so like, I'm on that the cusp of being a Gen X and a millennial. Like I'm right. I was like, and, and I feel like I really lean like Gen X when it comes to Technology. social media. I just like get overwhelmed like really easily. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So we have. Um, I mean, we have stuff going on. We have um, at the at what's exciting is is we're starting, I and mean, you know about this because we've talked about it. We're starting this 
community meal uh, yeah. and on our first will be on December 21st, um, which I'm really excited about. I think I, you know, it's a, it's a small thing, but I, I love small things. I believe in small things. We just once a month, we're going to start um, and just have a, a hot meal on the third Saturday of every month, starting December 21st. So anybody listening to this podcast, right in the Philadelphia area. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it'll be December 21st, a Saturday at one o'clock. Um, so we're, we're kind of gearing up for that and we're going to, we're going to do that every month. Um, I think the other thing, you know, we're, we're in this process with the sanctuary talk. Mm -hmm. So I think we're, we've started that on our, on our church council, but we're going to bring it to the congregation. So there's going to be more opportunity to, to get involved and, um, in that process. Um, I, but then there's also just like. Uh, Advent stuff coming up, which I'm kind of excited about. We're gonna have a heck yeah. Uh, we're gonna have a decorating party. I'll <laughs> be there. Great. <laughs> um, and I, one of the things I, I actually love making Advent wreaths. Um, you know, the whole the, it's a thing. I, I don't think, think I've ever hard. made one. <laughs> I think it's a, it's like uh, you just do a wreath, but then you have four candles, and you know, it's like it kind of follows. And every Sunday in Advent, you light another oh, candle yeah. and you have kind of a ritual prayer around that. Um, cool. So I always make one because my mom always made one growing up. Yeah. Uh, and so I always make one for uh, to have at home. And I thought it would be great to do it at the church and just invite people to make their Advent wreaths too. And they can take them home and we can use that as like our waiting for Jesus. <laughs> I'm really excited. And the nerdiness is just, oh my God, it is potent. <laughs> Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. I can't wait. That's right. it's, but no, it's great. It's, it'll, it's a really, it's a great, I think it's a great way like um, to, you know, to have, to be kind of in this season and to be um, maybe also just more mindful about what the, this time is really about, I mean, cause everything, it gets so like crazy materialistic around this time of year, everything. Yeah. So like having some time to, to do something with, with things, you know, with greens yeah. and candles and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So anyone come to that, that'll be on the, the last Saturday in November, November 30th. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And I don't know if any, and many of the listeners are in the, Philly area, but um, you can definitely go to tabunited.org to find out more about the church and Pastor Katie and um, all the fun things we do there. So yeah. I want to thank you so much for coming on this podcast. This was really nice. Thanks. Thanks, Crystal, for asking me. It was really a joy to share with you. Yes. <laughs> Knees. What a cool person. What a cool human. Just what a cool, 
an amazing spirit, and I really hope you felt what I feel every time um, I get to listen to one of her sermons at Tab United. Um, but that's the show, and you can find me anywhere online as Crystal Cheatham or on Instagram as The Cheat. Um, please remember to download and subscribe to our Bible app. We have some cool stuff coming to you December 1st, so you'll want to be able to be on top of that. And um, okay, bye.